many of you know, Bush and Richie are doing a 24-hour jukebox in aid of the Teenage Cancer Trust to raise money to help fund their amazing cause. Every day, seven young people hear the words, you have cancer, so it's vital that we continue to be there for them. From the moment of diagnosis, the Teenage Cancer Trusts provide the very best care and make sure that no young person faces cancer alone. You can help reach every young person that needs them by texting the word GIVE, followed by either 5, 10 or 20 to 70500. That's 70500. And 100% of your donation will go to the Teenage Cancer Trust. Text will cost your donation amounts plus your standard message charge. You must be 16 or over and please check the bill payer's permission. For full T's and C's, head to absoluteradio.co.uk. Richie caught up with a nurse who works for the Teenage Cancer Trust who gave an insight about the impact the trust has in supporting these young people and what it means to work with young people living with cancer. Amelia, thank you for talking to us. Tell us, tell us what your role is with the Teenage Cancer Trust. So I'm a nurse. I'm funded by Teenage Cancer Trust and my job is to work with young people and their families to support them from the moment they're di- diagnosed with cancer throughout their treatment and beyond. So it's about providing tailored support, getting to know them as a young person and what's important to them and making sure they've got that consistent source of support throughout their treatment. Describe to us some of the, the differences between you being able to be a, a bespoke Teenage Cancer Trust nurse compared to maybe those in a a wider hospital? Um, I think one of the main differences in being a Teenage Cancer Trust nurse is having that um, time and resource available to really spend time with young people and be there to get to know um, not only about their cancer and their cancer treatment, but, but about the whole self and what's important to them, their families, their hobbies, priorities. And this enables us to provide really individualised care to, so we make sure that things that are really important to them continue as much as we possibly can during their treatment or we find alternative things for them to do that can keep up their kind of stimulation and interest and hobbies as well. We also have the ability to introduce them to other young people who are going through cancer treatment. So teenage and young adult cancer is really rare. And I think if the teenage cancer trust units didn't exist, it would be unlikely that a young person with cancer would probably ever meet another young person with cancer. So it can be really quite isolating. Um, And what we can enable and what the teenage cancer trust units enable is an opportunity for them to meet other people in a similar situation and have that kind of age specific and age appropriate support. So I imagine the difference between being in a a teenage cancer trust unit really can affect and help the the, the treatment and and experience that that young person is, is, is having and going through. Oh, definitely. Um, we have so much feedback from young people to say that the environment that they're treated in on the Teenage Cancer Trust units has such a huge impact on their experience of care. So the units don't look really like a hospital. They look as least like a hospital as you can really get them. So whilst they still have all the essentials there that's re- required for them to have their, their treatment, they're like lovely, large, spacious areas decorated to a really high standard. They've got access to games consoles and internet and a youth support coordinator to deliver a program of activities for them. So it's really trying to get across that kind of friendly feel, a nice, calm environment that's really suited to their needs as a young person. How hard has the last year and a half been and how, how's that affected the charity uh, with COVID? It's been a really hard 
time I think as everybody's found it during COVID and I think what's been really remarkable is for our young people they've they've just adapted so well to some of the changes that have had to happen and we've continued to support them throughout the pandemic we've had to deliver things a little bit differently so we moved to an online program of like virtual quizzes and things like that for them to attend before that we were able to take young people in groups out and about and do different fun activities but obviously we've not been able to do that so we've had to adapt the way we deliver care and the young people have adapted and, and really responded well to that but you know I'm not going to lie it's been incredibly hard for them in some teenage cancer trust units around the hospital visiting restrictions have had a huge impact on them thankfully in the hospital I work at we have been able to continue to allow one parent or visitor to stay with the young person during their treatment but not everybody's had that so it's been hard going on them. Aside from Covid it must be hard going on you because some of the people and the stories that, that you must be around, how do you find it sort of on you personally? Um, I think on me personally, again, it, it's been really tough. So it's just trying to make sure we do the best we can with what we, we, we've got. And I think sometimes there's so much sort of in the media and you hear all these stories and we're exposed to so much. And every day we get together as a team and just really think about what can we do to make this awful situation as, as good as we can but yeah it personally it has been very hard and, and I'm very lucky to have the support of Teenage Cancer Trust and my colleagues there just to all kind of lean on each other a little bit as well. This may be the, the easiest question to answer uh, as a final question but why should people that are listening to, to what we're doing today why should they look at help support the Teenage Cancer Trust? Teenage Cancer Trust is an amazing charity and it has such a huge impact on young people with cancer from providing funded staff such as nurses, youth support coordinators, but also in terms of providing them with opportunities to get to know other young people going through a hard time to be treated in an environment that's suited to their needs and to have that consistent source of psychological support. So yeah, I think on the whole, it's a really good charity to support. We'd be really grateful for anyone to consider it. Amelia, thank you for sharing your story with us today and for everything that you do for all those young people. If we could stick one song on for you, what would it be? Um, Shut Up and Dance With Me by Walk the Moon. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> My favourite. <laughs> Thanks for talking to us, Amelia. Thank you. Amazing work, Amelia. Such an important role that you play in the lives of young people living with cancer. Thank you very much for all your hard work. Emma managed to catch up with a wonderful young person who was sadly diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma at the age of 18, just days before her 19th birthday. During the COVID-19 pandemic, she also caught the coronavirus whilst going through chemotherapy. So just tell me a bit about kind of how your journey started, how old you were when you got diagnosed and kind of how you remember that happening. So I was 18 years old when I first got diagnosed with cancer and it was nine days before my 19th birthday. And it happened at such a funny time because I was just moving out for uni and I sort of had everything ready as well. So when I found out I sort of got diagnosed, it was really, really hard hitting because I was just about to start like one of the biggest chapters in my life. And for a cancer diagnosis, just to come out of nowhere was just really, really, really shocking. And because it was so close to my birthday as well, it just made it a lot worse because it's it was like my last year of being a teenager because I turned 19. And like I genuinely thought that it'd sort of be my last birthday ever. So it was very, very bittersweet. I was happy to last year in my teens, but it was sort of like, will I still be alive for sort of next year? 
Was that like totally out of the blue then or did you have any symptoms or did you suspect that there was anything wrong with you? Yes, I did have symptoms. I had swollen lymph nodes on the left side of my neck and originally I didn't think it was anything because I just had a piercing that was infected in my ear. So I just thought there's like a reaction from that. But I had the swollen lymph nodes and then it just sort of got dismissed in the beginning. Like it's probably nothing, just wait on it. But then when I started to get more ill, so I started to get this really horrible, persistent cough. Um, and I was starting to feel really ill in myself as well in general. And I was losing weight towards the end. So before I got diagnosed, I started to lose weight really fast as well. Um, and I had like really bad like itching all over, like especially my hands and my feet. They used to just itch it all the time. And I just thought it was like an allergy to like hand sanitizer. So I didn't really think anything of it. But it was mainly the key symptom was this swelling that was on my neck. And I think that was right at the start of the pandemic. So it actually took you a while to get diagnosed. Do you remember the day when the doctor actually told you that, that it was cancer? Yeah, so I was with my mum. It was sort of like, I just woke up in the morning. I just sort of had that inclination. of like, yeah, I just sort of know it could be cancer. I was like, they wouldn't do as much as they're doing right now to make sure I'm all okay. And it, it was still, I was still in that sort of denial as well at the same time, where my head is sort of accepted that whatever it the outcome is, it's there anyway. There's literally nothing I can do to change it. And then I went to see my consultant and waited absolutely ages. And he was asking me like, do you know why you're here for? And I was like, yeah, I'm here to sort of get my biopsy results. And he's like, do you know what the biopsy was conducted for? And I was like, yeah, it was to check for um, Hodgkin's lymphoma or it was checked for like tuberculosis. And then he was, he literally broke it straight away. He's like, yeah, it's um, lymphoma, it's Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I was just in shock. And I was like, like, at the same time, it was sort of like a relief because I knew what was going on. In my head, I was like, I told you so. Like, I just knew it, but I was just pushing it away for so long and just denying it. Everyone else around me was more upset than I was. Like, I was probably not as upset as everyone else. Like, I had that sort of, like, two-minute cry. And then I just got on with it, and I was just like, you know, I just want to get through it and just get it over and done with it. Like, that's just how my mindset was. And then they told me it could be, like, suspected stage four, just because they saw some, like, bone marrow involvement on, like, a scan. So I had to have, like, a biopsy for that as well, but nothing was found there, so it was stage three. So I was thinking in my head, like, if I get diagnosed, it probably won't even be that late anyway. So it probably won't be like stage four stage three probably like stage one or two but when it was stage three I was like god like I left it for so 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 long my concerns weren't dismissed then I would have been diagnosed earlier and potentially had less treatment because it was grueling like treatment was honestly terrible I've seen a video of you um with the, when your hair started falling out mm. um and and you shaved your head after that happened what was that like it was, I think I was telling teenage cancers as well. Um, when my hair began to fall out, it was happening whilst I was in the hospital. Um, it started to happen at home, but it wasn't really happening that much. So it was like little strands were falling out. But then when I got to the hospital the next day, it was just falling out in like chunks. And it was just all over the bed because the sheets on in the hospital were white anyway. On the bed, there was hair. And I was just putting up and like brushing my hair for so long as well. So I just didn't want to come to terms with it was falling out but then my brother was with me and we started brushing it out and it was just so much hair like on a brush and we managed to fill up like two sick bowls just full of hair and it was still falling out even after that and then it got to a point it was like the last day of my hospital stay so I think it was like four days in my hair was just falling out and it was getting in my food and it was just making me really really disgusted I was like I don't want to be eating with this hair in my food as well and I just lost that sort of 
attachment that I had to my hair as well because I didn't remember it being dead or like frail or weak. I remembered it being different. So I came home and I was really upset about my hair. My mum was like, maybe it's just time to get rid of it. And then I made the decision to just get rid of it. It made me feel a lot better. It felt like a huge relief from my shoulder, like just that feeling of liberation as well. Just having it gone and not having that, like, firstly the mess and getting upset and works up that it's so dead and damaged as well. So it was good to just have it all off. Yeah, it looks great now. Are you are you getting used to having much shorter hair? Yeah, like it took me a really, really long time to get used to having shorter hair in the beginning. But then like now, because it's at the stage that it is now, I can just like throw on a headband or before when they were, it was first growing really short because you like finger waves like with gel and stuff. So it's like I can do things with it, but I'm just waiting for it to like slightly get a bit longer. There's these people that I know and they've also had like chemo and cancer and their hair's like growing pretty much the same stage as mine, but she's like like three months post chemo and she can start plaiting her hair and stuff. So I'm just waiting for it to sort of get to that stage where I can start doing anything more with it. And all of this that you were going through obviously was happening during the lockdown. And then I think you actually mm-hmm. got coronavirus as well. Do you think that yeah, did, made yeah. things even more even more difficult doing this during the pandemic? Yeah, because obviously during the pandemic, you can't see your friends anyway. And with Christmas as well, it's just like little things like New Year's Eve that I'd spend with my family, like Christmas, and like little milestones, like just seeing my family as well. In a time like that, I didn't realise how much my family meant to me until I was away from them. And... When I had COVID as well, it really messed me up in terms of like getting treatment as well. So my body was already so weak from having COVID. I didn't even have a chance to sort of recover from it anyway. I was giving chemo literally whilst I was still isolating. It was horrible. It was really, really terrible. I just got really ill really fast. And then that second round when I had COVID, I felt the side effects of the chemo a lot more compared to the first round the first one wasn't really that bad except the hair loss but then the second round was just really it's like for literally been thrown into the deep end it was just terrible but how are you doing now how are you feeling how's your treatment going i finished treatment so it's going to be six months post treatment next week so i can't i literally can't believe how fast it's gone by but um i'm a lot better now literally a lot better a lot stronger within myself like i can do things independently again so i'm just sort of getting back on my feet from like 80 percent there so I'm doing a lot better now. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. And we're here to talk about the Teenage Cancer Trust. So tell me a bit mm-hmm. about how you got involved with them and, and how they've helped you. Teenage Cancer Trust were there from sort of day one. So when I got diagnosed with cancer, I came back on the ward, I think it was the following Monday, and I got set up with my support worker. So her name is Sean. And she just came and she just introduced herself briefly and she was like, oh yeah, I'll be here for you like during your treatment and just having like a chat with me, just general, like just saying what do you do, like what sort of person are you like, what were you doing at uni, just getting to know me a bit. And then when I started treatment, Sean would literally just sit with me every single day of my treatment. Like even when I was ill in like another ward and I was getting treatment, she'd still be sat there, like just giving me company, especially during that second round as well. She was there a lot because I was so bullying in the hospital so much. So like every day she's coming in the morning, she'd come and see me like show and just sit with me until like lunchtime, just talking. Even if I was just asleep, she'd be like, just check in, see if I'm okay. So she was like a huge part on my journey, like when I was going through chemo, a massive, massive part. What kind of stuff did you get up to with the Teenage Cancer Trust? Like, did you manage to do much with them? Did you meet other young people that are going through the same thing? 
I didn't really meet other young people. I think everyone in my ward, especially, I think because of the whole COVID in general, everyone was sort of placed in different areas around the ward. So if I was having chemo and someone else was having chemo at the same time, we'd be in different sort of rooms. And it was quite rare that we'd be in a room with someone else. And when there was like, you'd obviously say like, hi, hello. But I just felt a bit like, intrusive asking them like what's your diagnosis are you getting treatment like, it was just like I wouldn't want someone else to ask me when I was getting treatment but with Sean I did quite a lot of activities like especially during the first round and um, when I started chemo I was just doing like little bits and I'll just keep myself busy so I had like a bead of courage and I remember I started that and then I just got so ill I didn't even finish it during my first round and then when it was my last chemo I brought it in and then we were doing that together and then my other chemo she's we've literally she's given me like colouring books like I still have to this day I still use if I was ill I'd be colouring in just to like keep myself busy and it really helped with my grip as well because my grip was so bad so she did like a lot to keep me busy and just having that support there as well like an ER just like someone that I can talk to as well she was definitely there. So bearing all that in mind then tell us why you think people should should donate to the Teenage Cancer Trust? I think people should donate to Teenage Cancer Trust because I don't think they realise how much they do behind the scenes, like the support that they give behind the scenes because a lot of young people when they're going for treatment feel very, very lonely and if you give that money to Teenage Cancer Trust, you're funding them to have activities and funding these youth workers and clinical nurses to help us and give us that support that we need because my support worker was there for me in a time where I couldn't see my friends, in a time where I literally didn't feel like I had anyone. Honestly, it made it all worthwhile in the end. I think that's why people should donate so we can, other young people are supported when they're going through such a, such a horrific time. And have you managed to start back at uni now? No, so I'm going back in January 2022, so I'm going back in the next three months. Um, but I've just got to do my exams sort of before I go back, sort of on a defer leave right now. What are you studying? I'm doing law. Oh, nice. Amazing. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for doing that. You're great. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much to Mariam for sharing your story with us, and I wish you the best for the future and your journey through university. Bush and Ritchie managed to catch up with a young person who, during the COVID-19 pandemic, was sadly diagnosed with germ cell cancer after going to his GP for chest pains. Thankfully, due to the Teenage Cancer Trust, he's managed to get through his tough time comfortably. Great to speak to you, Mitch. Uh, lovely to chat. Tell us, first of all, then, how you found out about your diagnosis of germ cell cancer. When did you realise something wasn't right? So it's a, it was a funny one. I was, I was going to my GP for a while with chest pain and eventually... Well, they were kind of just brushing it off as, as this and that and getting different painkillers. Eventually, it just got that bad. Went to Ernie uh, and they did a, an x-ray and seeing there was a, a big mass in the middle of my chest and a big buildup of fluid. So then they took me right to our kind of big hospital in Carlisle and then it all kind of carried on from there with different treatments and, and chemo and surgery and stuff, yeah. Do you remember what, what the doctor said to you? Can you remember that moment? Uh, well, it was funny because initially a doctor in Carlisle thought it was a different kind of cancer, which was um, lymphoma. And in that moment, I was kind of one of our visitors and I was on this heart ward with lots of old people <laughs> who had heart problems. And, and he kind of shut the curtains and he said, oh, so we think you've got lymphoma. But in that moment of the shock of all this big word, big scary word of lymphoma, I had a little cry. And then a couple of days later that... After Martin realised it was actually germ cell cancer, five or ten minutes I was in an ambulance on the way to, to Newcastle to start chemo. So um, really, really fast and 
when you get you know this kind of news and you're in this situation and and the kind of world comes collapsing in on you Mitch it must have been just unbelievable are you are you with others when this happens or are you just kind of on your own I think normal time I would have been with with family uh, and my girlfriend but because with, with Covid kind of there wasn't visitors allowed in hospitals obviously to kind of try and reduce the spread of of Covid or yeah obviously yeah spread Covid so I was in there by myself um, for all other than the kind of the first week I came out when I let my, my parents come in for the whole kind of best part of the year of being on different treatments and being home, didn't really see many friends, didn't see my girlfriend. Um, it's just kind of locked in the house with, with my mum and dad or other, other young people going under treatment in, in Newcastle. So it was kind of made it that little bit more difficult, I think. Uh, going frankly. through all of this with COVID going on at the same time, that that must take quite some mindset to get through. A lot of people have seemed to, you've, you've handled that so well, but I think when you get in the moment of kind of that life and death, where I think it just kind of changes the way you look at things and you just think, well, if this works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And you just kind of put the faith in doctors that have spent years developing what they know and uh, how they know to treat what's going on. And I think, yeah, you just kind of suck it up let them get on with it and, and trust that they really know what they're doing, I suppose. I mean, and as you just touched upon there, one of the main themes uh, that's been carrying on through a lot of the young people that we've spoken to through the Teenage Cancer Trust is that a big chunk of this, you've had to do it on your own because of COVID and the restrictions and so on. But in terms of your family and friends, how, how did they deal with your diagnosis? How were they able to deal with it? It wasn't until afterwards that people would start talking to me about how it's affected them because I think... Everyone kind of wanted to stay strong to kind of not um, affect how I was dealing with things. And I think it affected a lot of people differently, especially my mum and dad were there being it first hand. But my, my girlfriend and my brother, they weren't allowed in the house. They couldn't come and visit in hospital just with COVID and with the fear of, obviously, your immune system is all rubbish with the chemo. So it just makes everything that bit more scary. Being aware and not being able to see what was going on was probably the hardest bit for friends and, and my brother Jordan and Jade not only getting a message every hour I've got was of, of how I was doing or what I was up to and it affects affects everyone different but especially not being there to know what's going on would have been the hardest bit for them. How did the Teenage Cancer Trust get involved then Mitch? Because I was in the, the kind of right age group and having quite a complex cancer when I was in Carlisle they said they were going to transfer me over to Newcastle and go on that my kind of cancer ward in the Freeman there was three rooms they kind of kitted out my telly, bathroom, a nice big sofa, even had PlayStation 4s, breakout room, a room with a pool table that I'd could go and watch Sky Sports so you could go and get ice pops out of the fridge because I luckily fell into, I got it at the right age, the right kind of cancer that they really knew what they were doing in, in the frame and, that I, and got to kind of live the luxury of having the, the nice extras that they'd provide. Yeah, I mean, one thing, I had a look around one of the uh, the Teenage Cancer Trust wards a couple of years ago, and, and something that really struck me was the amazing rapport between the staff and the young people, and they're in there chatting, and there's a lovely atmosphere. Were there any people in particular that stood out as being uh, a great help during your treatment at the Teenage Cancer Trust? Going back to COVID, there wasn't many kind of staff members on the ward. There was just one or two that would be in all the time, and the main person was Gemma, who's a youth support coordinator. And she was kind of there all the time, organising things to get us together and get our morale up in the evenings or kind of there'd be quizzes that you could do over your phone or 
kind of trying to get the people on the ward to get together to kind of <clears throat> to socialize with all the all the young people, all the teenagers. You can't ignore. They get every now and then we get free Domino's. Maybe on a Friday Friday night, Domino's would drop off a load of pizzas. Either binge out in our room by ourselves, go and sit in the breakout room and just kind of have crack over some massive Domino's pizzas. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Gemma was really popping in all the time, kind of checking in how you were doing or anything I can get when I, when I go and do the shopping. Do you want some yogurts? Do you want some ice pops? Or do you like a certain kind of chocolate? And we can pick it up and put it in the fridge. Just kind of all the little touches. Almost like your mum, just popping in oh. on. <laughs> watch a film or we're going to do this kind of arts and crafty stuff if you want to come and join in. Just someone always being there. Not being a nurse or a doctor, just a nice person trying to make your experience that little bit easier, that little bit nicer, and giving you some kind of fun things to do. You said you got Sky Sports in there as well, so at least during the whole thing, you were also being able to uh, keep in touch with how Newcastle were getting on. Well, um, I'm, a, I'm a Liverpool fan, but I did meet the guy called Mark. He was a Newcastle fan, and he kept, uh, every time there was a match on, he'd go in and catch it and Usually he'd come out when you send his hands, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, don't expect like a something crazy is having a conversation and Sky Sports when you're in hospital. It just even though you're you're away from home, you're in this weird environment. Mitch, one of the most power, powerful images of uh, people who are going through chemotherapy is obviously the, the, the loss of hair. How did you deal with, with it when you started to lose your hair? What was that like? It must have been traumatic. I, I had quite long hair. Uh, I'm in a band and we kind of all grow our hair out a little bit to make us a bit different. So I'd have my hair quite long and then one day I was just kind of itching in the bathroom and it just started coming out and I was like, I actually filmed myself. It was the middle of the night, sent it to my girlfriend and I was like, it's happening, it's happening. Pulled the hair out. Kind of that week where it was all kind of coming out on the floor, almost a, a joke with the cleaner when she'd come in every morning, how much hair it'd be on the floor around the bed. But kind of ended that week when I went home after the chemo, hair's coming out, so I may as well shave it off. Talking with my brother friends um, who decided to shave the head with me. We decided we'd sit on my terrace straw up front street, social distance, all shave our heads at the same time, try and raise some money for the cancer trust. Um, kind of all came together and with a lot of help from different people and even Morrison's, our local supermarket raised just over 25 grand, which was, which was awesome. You touched on that briefly there. I mean, you've had some amazing care and it certainly seems like you've had an amazing attitude throughout the whole time as well Mitch but you've raised over 23 grand for the charity that's that's incredible yeah I think getting at this age and obviously having a lot of young people my age in, in the town get hit home with a lot of people who kind of you think you're invincible you're young you're fit you do sport you eat healthy you think oh I'll never get cancer I'll never get a bad illness and it happens it kind of hit home with a lot of people which kind of pulled on the heartstrings and then a lot of friends and just random local people got involved, did tombolas, did raffles. There was Morrison's had buckets down there, all efforts from just so many different people that had, oh, I don't know, no friends, just, yeah. I always stress it wasn't just me. I think I was the the spark. Everyone just came together and, and did an amazing effort. Well, it's an amazing amount of money that you've raised. And speaking of which then, so people listening to this right now then, Mitch, why should people donate to the Teenage Cancer Trust? How vital is it? Going through something like this when you're so young, you don't have the life experience to kind of cope with it the same as, as maybe a, a proper would. And I think having the the support from youth support coordinators or specialist nurses on the ward to just make sure that you're coping with it well. And it's that added touch of making a hospital a bit more homely and having the home touches, like I said, Sky Sports and the pool table or 
even just having a room with a sofa, sit with other young people and, and talk about what's going on. People who are going through the same thing, it just makes it that little bit easier and helps you take your mind off the really crap times that you're going through. Mitch, it's been great chatting to you. Um, you're an incredible, incredible young man. You mentioned um, before we let you go about playing in the band. What's what's the deal with the band now? What are you called? What do you do? Uh, so uh, we're called Springfield. I'm drummer. Got two imps, guitar, bass, original music. With obviously the band of covers to fill out sets. We've just kind of got back into gigging, and I can't do full sets yet. With my me kind of just getting back to. Perform. Past couple of years, we were due to play Kendall Coleman Festival 2020 oh, wow. and, um, on the BBC Houston stage. Um, but I think, as luck would add it, it's been cancelled both times. Hopefully, next year, if it actually works out, we'll hopefully get on then. But yeah, and all our tunes are on Spotify, Apple Music, just search Springfield. Fantastic. Well, might feature you on the No Repeat Guarantee here on Absolute Radio very soon. Mitch, an honour to speak to you, um, an inspirational story, uh, and you're a great guy. Even though you're a Liverpool fan, you seem like a really good guy. Mitch, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And once again, congratulations on raising just over £23,000 for the Teenage Cancer Trust. A true inspiration and all the best with your band. Remember, you too can help many young people who need the Teenage Cancer Trust by... Texting the word GIVE, followed by either 510 or 20 to 70500. And 100% of your donation will go to the Teenage Cancer Trust. Text will cost you your donation amount plus your standard message charge. You've got to be 16 or over. Please check the bill payers' permission. And the full T's and C's are at absoluteradio.co.uk. 